Design Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a Nashville-based producer, recording engineer, and mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. Thanks for checking out and um, being with us again today. I'm doing another episode around the, uh, I've done a few of these episodes now, around the uh, DIY, the, the CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference that happened in Nashville recently. Um, and there's a bunch of people that I connected with at this conference. It was really awesome. A lot of musicians, producers, and songwriters, a lot of like-minded individuals. So, uh, it was awesome. Set up a lot of, um, was able to set up a lot of kind of impromptu podcast episodes with guests and stuff. So done a few of these and I've got another one today and I'm really excited about it. Connected with this guy. I think it was the first day of the, uh, conference, uh, over lunch randomly really hit off on the same page, kind of just almost, uh, reading each other's minds and just really connected with a lot of uh, a lot of uh, common interests, and so immediately knew I'd, that I wanted to have him on the show. And he's part of a band that's a, a great uh, great band that also played around the uh, conference as well. Did some performances and stuff, and some great music. And so it just worked perfect. It worked perfect. I knew I wanted to have him on the show, and so uh, we scrambled to make it happen before he flew out of town. So I've got him on the show today. Um, and I'm really, really excited to, to get into all the many, many discussions. Uh, he's out of Portland, Oregon, hanging out in Nashville. He's in. Uh, he's part of a band um, uh, that we'll talk about. And um, uh, uh, remind me, I, I major totally love event. major love event. That's right. I'm like sitting here. I should have written that down. I just, I just uh, was looking at the name. But major love event is the band. Excuse my uh, spacing out for a second. Um, uh, C.K. Koch, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Awesome. Thanks for Good being to be here. here. Awesome, man. Thanks for being here. It's this funny, last night when they introduced us on stage, they were like, major love affair. And we were like, <laughs> oh, of course. And then, the, and then the, <laughs> the, the other half of your band, it's just the two of you, right? There's, uh, it's just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the other half, um, does she go by Becca or Rebecca? Uh, I think I'm the only person on the planet that calls her Becca. Okay. Uh, she goes by Re- Rebecca. Okay. Yeah, Rebecca Van Dam. Cool. Actually. That's a that's a killer. I know. That's right? a killer uh, last name. No relation to Jean Claude Van Dam. Huh? Uh, not that she'll admit. 
Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no relation. Because uh, that would totally be awesome. I would totally freak out. <laughs> I, have a, I have a secret sort of um, uh, fanboy of, of Van Damme. Of the JVD? Yeah, 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 yeah. JVCD, yeah. JVCD, is that yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, to be introduced that way, it's kind of funny because it's like um, a guy-girl duo and then be called Major Love Affair that, that rises up all kinds of like... Or Major Love Event. See, I, I stood you off there. Oh, no, no, you no, mean that's that. What I'm saying. Oh, if, yeah, yeah, if they yeah. accidentally call you Major Love Affair. <laughs> totally. That, uh, that uh, rises up all kinds of connotations that could be misconceiving. But Major Love Event yes. is the band. Cool. Correct. Awesome, man. Well, yeah, man. Like I said in the intro... Um, it was really, I just felt like it important that based on the conversations you guys, that you and I have been having the last few days is like, dude, I've got to have you on my podcast. And during this relaunch phase, you know, thinking about what I want to do for the relaunch of this podcast and everything. And I don't know, it's just the conversations we had, man, it was just right. It was serendipitous. It was the right thing to do. And, um, I'm glad you were here. I'm yeah. glad you're here. I'm glad and just the whole coincidence of sitting down at whatever that taco place yeah. was and, just falling into a conversation like yeah, that, was, which was kind of cool. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Did you get much? Uh, what was your favorite part of the conference? You beat me to it. I was going to ask. Oh, you. okay. You're exactly asking me that. Oh, no, no, I'm hosting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to take control of this. Yeah, um. <laughs> but I'll go first. Let's both answer that question. I'll yeah. go first since you asked first. Um, my um, my favorite part of the conference was probably like just really the aspect of the conference, the fact that. Um, you know, what I've been telling people is that, you know, I've been to a, a number of conferences this year, all of them in Nashville and Nashville being very, you know, it's a music town, a very industry town, pretty much the, the music industry is such in a large way moving to Nashville, you know, it's vacating other sort of entertainment towns like LA and New York and it's moving to Nashville. It's very becoming very much industry here. It's always been industry, but it's just a lot more now. And so there's these conferences that happen around Nashville that I've gone to a few of them, um, sort of industry-related things. And I've, uh, I'm not going to name any of the conferences, but I just was kind of underwhelmed, you know? And I was kind of like um, not really – kind of lowered my expectations. And um, so I didn't really expect much, I guess, from the CD Baby conference – uh, and for me, going to a conference, the number one thing is uh, the culture of the conference and being able to connect with other people. And if I'm going to spend the money to go to a conference and be present, like the number one thing that I want to do is come away with new real connections, potential collaborators, you know, just stuff that can elevate my career in some way, you know yeah. what I mean? And just yeah. feeling good about really connecting with like-minded people. And being inspired and um, and and 100% the CD Baby conference had that. I mean, the other conferences that I've been to this year just kind of didn't have that. And that and CD Baby conference, the, the musicians DIY musicians conference specifically, that nailed it. They nailed it, man. So I there was so many like right immediately. I walked up in the place. I was a little bit late the first day because I had to. Um, it was on Friday afternoon or Friday morning or rather, and I, I couldn't make it till the afternoon. And the second I walked up in there, I mean, immediately I'm just connecting with people. The second that I stepped across the threshold of the of the convention center, and I'm just connecting with people and making friends, and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna be really good. And then the icing on the cake is, you know, the the material that's presented, the presenters, the the presentations that that are that are given. To me, that's kind of the icing on the cake, you know, because I've been in the industry 
I certainly don't know everything. Uh, but I've been in the industry long enough that like a lot of times um, I feel like there's not a whole lot that I absorb out of that stuff because a lot of the stuff in a lot of conferences that I go to are like um, it's just kind of not nothing revolutionary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but but uh, you know, and there was some of that the CB, CD baby. I mean, there's certainly a lot of panels that I went to. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. But there was, you know, then there's stuff like on Spotify, which is kind of like the newest kind of frontier of, you know, promoting your music in 2017 right now. Spotify's hot. Like, it's just like we're all the, there's a lot of um, consumer fan listening. Like, just it's a, a big platform right now. A lot of interaction on that platform. So, you know, Spotify practices that, frankly, I'm not hip to that right now. You know, I'm not yeah. hip to, I'm not having really thought much about Spotify. And then like, you know, this podcast, um, you know, I've always been somebody interest, interested in creating media in addition to, you know, participating in um, making music. And so um, this this podcast has been tackling podcasting and stuff and best practices there. But that has made me become interested in what about YouTube as a creator platform, which is, you know, I, I've used YouTube just to watch videos. It's like I have not ever used YouTube as like from a creator's perspective. Mm. So there were some people talking about YouTube best practices and stuff like that. Um, you know, lot, there's all this like live streaming stuff, uh, Facebook practices and stuff. So it's anything that like I found, I tried to drop in on a lot of different stuff, but I found that across the board, the stuff that really, I felt like, oh man, I'm like, this is, this is really lighting me up. I'm really inspired. And I felt like I was really just absorbing some new stuff for me that was like just expanding my mind. It was always kind of focused around something to having to do with like Spotify best practices and, you know, marketing on Spotify. And then somebody that actually uh, had on the podcast or recorded an episode with her yesterday, I think, um, uh, Suzanne Polinski. I I don't know if you caught her. um, She gave a talk on, uh, oh, what was the title of her talk? I think it was something to do with like musician as an entrepreneur or something like that. Okay, no, I missed that one. It was really good because it talked to, like afterwards it just went up to her immediately and was just like, man, like a lot of the stuff that you talked about is the uh, this kind of stuff that I kind of talk about on the podcast. You know, I, yeah. I, I inter, interlace it into, conver- it finds its way into conversation, you know? And so she was just talking a lot about, it's like you and I just, we had lunch, you know, just like an hour ago and we talked a lot about kind of like burnout and stuff, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure we'll get into more on this discussion. But she was talking about that. She's built business around helping people. um, You know, first of all, you're a musician, you're an artist, think of your business, kind of approach it like an entrepreneur and then best practices around that. And here's, you know, ways for self care around that. Cause it's very easy to, to, to neglect yourself mm, and yeah. become sleep deprived and become overwhelmed with all the stuff that you have to do. And so she's developed the system for, um, helping people to avoid all that. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I think we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah. Screensaver came on. Um, but anyway, so yeah, those those yeah. were the things that 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 really for me that's my really long winded answer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's a good answer. Yeah. I wish I had done the music entrepreneur thing. It's it's funny you say that because uh, I really walked away with uh, the idea about. Sorry, I got distracted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm no just worries. I'm just little technical making, difficulties here. Well, I'm just making sure these levels are, these good. Levels are good. No, no, totally, yeah, it's all good. Um, for those audio engineers out there, they'll yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, get those gains right. Yeah. Um, 
No, I think the big key word there is music entrepreneur. And it's, you know, we're an age where we're, we, you, you, almost, you almost can't just be an artist anymore. Like mm-hmm. you almost have to be a music entrepreneur. I mean, you can just be an artist, but if you want to make a living, you want to do something in this industry, yeah. there's an entrepreneurial aspect that's going to come with that. But my favorite moment uh, was Mary Gautier. I mean, okay. she was freaking yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I actually, actually only caught the last like 10 minutes of her talk. Um, but Rebecca, she caught it and it was amazing and brought her to tears and her story. And she didn't write her first song until she was like 35, yeah, you know, yeah, and, it was great, you know, and, yeah. and the, then she performed and her performance in its simplicity, um, uh, but it's emotional, like transference to the audience was so freaking powerful yeah. and she just like yeah. wrapped that room around her finger and like yeah. reminded us in these conversations about spotify and instagram and all that stuff like oh oh yeah that's right this is why we're here right because you know this is this is music and this is fun and this totally. is emotional and like right. people are crying and i'm like yeah. oh yeah that's right music right. yeah exactly um which is which was nice and i almost i'm glad they 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 kept that in there you know i almost think we could have more of that right um next time yeah. totally yeah i think that i'm glad you brought that up because it's it is a thing that you have you do have to because um, I think people and I've been so guilty of this in the past of like you can get wrapped up in the means of it all. But mm-hmm. what's the like Spotify isn't the point and like, you know, podcasting itself isn't the point. You know, all the technology is like it's really awesome. It's like very empowering. You, you're so much more empowered now than you've ever been, I think, in so many ways in life. But the point is like is to create impact. You know, the point is to is to spread ideas and work on ideas and create and be creative and be vulnerable and be emotional and all those things to create impact, you know, to connect yeah. with people. And those other things are just tools. They're just a means to sort of to sort of do all those all the creation. It it it's just to help the creation live and thrive and help connect with people you know yeah. what i mean and because we're more empowered now than ever but i don't know if people feel that power yet yeah. you know what i mean like i recognize the power of instagram the power of the internet and the power of all these platforms and tools we have but we haven't been trained or taught or have an example we have some, some small examples now of like what to really go by, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? We have the examples of like the Rolling Stones and what they did and that can be a band and we're going to rehearse and we're going to get a manager and go on tour. And they even talked about that sort of the old music business model. And we're now in the new music business model, but we don't even really know what that is yet to a yeah. certain degree. Yeah. And CD Baby, I think is doing a great job of trying to define that and educate it. And they're still in the beginning stages yeah. of that. It still feels yeah. like, like this conference, I can imagine a year or two from now could be actually a really major music oh, conference yeah. Yeah. for musicians. Cause what I liked was uh, last night at the the after party show uh, was talking to other musicians and just how like inspired and, and empowered people were yeah, feeling. They're yep, like, oh yep. shit, I can go home and actually like do something about yeah, this. You know yeah, what I mean? There's yeah. an opportunity there. And it's hard not to get too deer in the headlights because it can be overwhelming too. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. To be a social media marketer whatever it is we need to be right now to get our name out there yeah. and, you know, get right. traction and get, get attention. It's yeah. like attention is the new currency. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Yeah, man. It's totally. interesting times. Yeah. It's awesome. It's super <laughs> empowering. Um, I was saying, I was telling, um, somebody that, um, you know, I, I do, a I write a gratitude journal 
try to every day, you know, and, and, and I'll try to write down like seven things that I'm gra- grateful for and, and then like why I'm grateful for those things, you know, and it's, and I do a stream of consciousness. So like every day it changes, you know, it's just like whatever pops up in that split moment in my mind. And, um, and, and something that comes up quite consistently is I'm grateful for the internet. And that's kind of weird. Mm. Like I'm grateful for the internet, but, I'm but, grateful but it, but it's, Almighty for the internet. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Because it's just it's an unprecedented level, unprecedented level of abundance and possibility, and the 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 most incredible like business tool and tool for um, uh, in, just I guess empowerment and uh, uh, enlightenment. I think in a lot in a big way. I mean, clear like the internet. Sure, it's like whatever you make of it, and there's certainly a lot of maybe misinformation out there and there's not really any regulation of the internet necessarily but at the same time it's just you know you see a thing like i'm i'm sure you you, you've as long as you've been working in music and doing what you do like even 10 years ago like there's so many tools now that are just Mm -hmm. these crazy innovative tools that are so empowering i feel like i learned to become an audio engineer on the internet yeah ultimately and so many people that's the newest and that's so true it's like that that's the newest frontier of audio engineers are learning that way you know because there's so many audio engineering learning resources on the internet now yeah up. the mean, last 10 years has mainly been like the forums you know yeah and these days i don't even go to the forums but at the time they were the best means to dig through even though like 90 percent of the information is probably wrong or bad yeah it was still like yeah. this this yeah stream of information and if you dig and dig and dig you can find these little golden nuggets yeah. of information yeah that you can then you know throw into your toolbox yeah. and then yeah. just building upon that and now with the podcast medium and these conversations, I feel like engineers are able to have from their bedrooms. It's like we're all learning. Because I think 10 years ago, the question was, how do we learn to become great on audio engineers? Mm-hmm. You know, like you had the, you lived in Nashville. Yeah. So you were surrounded of them. Yeah. But not living in Nashville, it was, I felt like it was this impossibility. Yeah. I mean, there was no online tutorial programs or there was no, right. there was a few books, there was few whatever. And now the power of YouTube and the power of programs like Mixed with the Masters and all yep. these different things. Yeah you know, it gives us so much insight into a world that used to be so closed off. And now it's like a giant right. open book. You know? Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 it's incredible. So yeah, I mean, you know, the internet, the abundance, the unprecedented level of just being able to run your business and do something profitable. That's just like so many barriers. Uh, you know, it's disrupted so many things. It definitely turned the, the music business on its head. But I mean, quite frankly, and I've said this before, that if that hadn't happened, if the internet hadn't come along and disrupted the music industry the way that it did, I wouldn't have a seat at the table, quite frankly. I just wouldn't. Totally, you know? totally. And yes. there's a lot of people, other people out there that wouldn't as well. And the CD Baby conference wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know what I mean? The table just got bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot more seats at it now. Yeah, man. It's so, crazy. That we and we we live in exciting times, but at the same time, and I imagine most people listening to this feel it's also extremely overwhelming because right. people, and that's the, again why I I came and why Rebecca and I came, and is to just you know keep digging. I'm a big. Uh, I love going to things like this. We were talking earlier about all these different conferences, and I go to the Bulletproof Conference yeah. or the yeah. Lewis House Conference yeah. or things like that, yeah. and. Um, 
these cutting edge things, you know, what's happening now, what are our newest ideas? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A lot of stuff we find in schools and a lot of things we find in these other things are almost older ideas, which are still of a lot of value, mm-hmm. but I'm always so attracted to like the newest idea. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a real early adopter kind sure. of guy. Now, yeah, not yeah. everyone's like that, right? but I'm, I'm very much like, that. Yeah. I love the cutting edge of things. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, um, those new there's there is and there is a lot of ability you know with the internet and these new just all this new forms of media where those types of ideas you know you you can find them like you can be connected you can you, you know they can connect you can connect with other people that think like that like the bulletproof conference or whatever you know what yeah I mean? yeah uh, other like-minded individuals yeah you know you were saying um about you know gratitude and having sort of uh your the gratitude journal, uh, but just the whole concept of gratitude, but bringing it to like the conference and just saying in that theme, uh, it was actually during the Instagram uh, guys one and just talking about how to really approach Instagram and how to treat that as something to build. One thing that I really walked away from with that was the idea that, you know, and I definitely share this because I don't, I don't feel naturally drawn to being like an online personality or having yeah. a brand and uh-huh. like constantly making videos of myself. Right. Like it just feels so narcissistic sometimes, yeah. but it also comes from a place of feeling like who, who gives a shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like who cares about me and like what yeah. I have to say, what I have right. to think. And he said that that is the biggest thing is people feeling like no one wants to see your life. You know what I mean? That feeling, of suicide. but how many people in the world would love to have your seat in this room right now. How many people in the world would love to be in Nashville right now trying to be a musician, you know, and like your life just in doing what you're doing as boring as you think it is can like be inspiring someone because you're doing, you know, you're living their dream to a certain way. And so, you know, it's all about perspective. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's so boring, but to someone else, like, Oh my God, what they would give to like have my boring life in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I think I was, um, was that the uh, the the Instagram? Was that um, uh, the guy from Parachute Media or something? Yeah, uh, the Ryan Parachute something. Media guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in on that too. I, maybe uh, I may have come in late. I can't remember, but I, yeah, I I didn't. I don't think I heard that part. But that's yeah. That's I I resonate with that. That's a hard. It was really. It's been really hard for me. First of all, just to launch this podcast in the beginning. And second of all, just like pretty much almost like every single episode, I have a, a level of just. Um, kind of like resistance to doing it in a way. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like nervous every single time to a degree. I'm a little, I feel a little awkward and it's for that exact reason. It's like, you know, man, it just kind of feels narcissistic, you know? Yeah, and it kind of feels totally. like, I don't know. It, it, it kind of feels narcissistic in a way, but then it kind of doesn't. And I think that having um, guests on and being able to have a conversation like this helps that a lot. Because, you know, it's not like the point of it isn't um, just to hear me, like, blather on or something. You know, it's to, like, try to pull out some sort of impactful conversation or find some kind of idea to talk about that that, that is just uh, resonates with people um, and would maybe m- mean something to them. Uh, but, yeah, I do resonate with that a lot. And I, and I struggle with, you know, uh, anytime you're going to, like, you know, to promote this podcast or... It's just like that public brand, you know, to promote the podcast or try to promote my, um, hey, you know, I'm a recording engineer producer, man, uh, you know, book me for some sessions. And there's that, you know, you, you to, to try and spend time online to kind of be a public personality to promote that stuff. And a lot of times I, I do, I struggle with that where I go through, it's like, man, like, 
this is just totally self-absorbed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and it's and it is. Uh, I, I can totally identify with that. You know? Yeah. I feel like the what I've been trying to because I have the exact same feelings and mm-hmm. in, in, in all these things that I do, but I still want to do them and I'm attempting to do them and sort of build that because I see the value in doing that. And I'm also trying to approach it in like, how can I bring value to it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. It's not about me. And right. it's like, we can get past because narcissism comes from this place of like insecurity and maybe because that, that feeling of like, I'm not bringing enough value to this. I'm not yeah. bringing enough value to this podcast. I'm yeah. bringing enough value to this listener. Um, but if you can like get past that insecurity and then just bring what you got there's some people that i imagine are going to absolutely eat up that and sure be like, wow this brought so much value to what right. i'm doing right now yeah and that's like as much as we can ask for right yeah. there you know yeah I totally mean? i mean because on the flip side of it and i've had i've had these experiences too where um um you know like i was talking to you at, at, at lunch earlier about um how you know i've got a, a, a coach that that i talk to once a month and just it's you know kind of almost like business consulting and sort of like uh, uh, somebody who I can say this is what's going on personally with me in my life and they can have an objective look into it and and just you know it's it's I I really believe in that um, sort of like having sort of a, a a coach type person in your life right and whether that's a mentor you know or whatever even if you pay a person to do that um, but uh, but but the point that some people like that that I have in my life that have they've brought up is that um, you have to think of it. It can kind of end up being, you know, for me, they're like, you need to look at that as like, where, where's oh, that? That mic stands really giving you yeah, sir, business can, right now. I can handle sure. it. Let me just adjust it. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it can kind of be sort of like they've shined a light on like, well, where, what's the self-worth conversation that's going on there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, and that somebody kind of pointed out to me at one point that you're almost kind of like, if you're if you're not going to create and put this stuff out that can resonate with people and, and like create an impact, then you're cheating yourself and you're cheating them. You know what I mean? In a way, like if I, in a way, if I'm just to, to be like so shy that I was too afraid to actually push through that resistance and put out this podcast, right? And have conversations like this with people, then I'm actually cheating people because I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not putting out that, those ideas that can have some sort of impactful breakthrough. I'm not putting myself in a vulnerable position that they can resonate with and then it can be the catalyst for their breakthrough or something like that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're cheating, you know, you're cheating yourself too, because um, you're wanting, like Rebecca and I were talking about this weekend, and if she's listening to this, I imagine she'll appreciate this. But you know, it's it's a perspective thing where you're bringing, like, this is a gift. If you know, if you can look at this as like your gift to people, and like, it's not about you, it's not about me. You know what I mean? If you can make it about, it's that old thing about like when you play on stage, it's not about you, it's about that audience. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? When the artists that get on stage and it's all about them, the audience can like feel that. Mm-hmm. But if you're like really, really want to give and you really want to give this gift, whether it's your music or whether it's your thoughts or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It can shift that perspective from like an insecure place to, you know, an empowered place. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally, man. Yeah. So awesome, dude. Um, let's talk about your, let's talk about uh, major love event okay. for a minute. Um, uh, because, you know, this, 
this uh, this podcast being the modern recordist. My idea when I first launched this podcast, you know, my initial vision for it, um, I definitely like the idea that like everything is every conversation uh, is on the table. Like we can go anywhere. We can talk about everything because I think that that's part of the ethos of the modern recordist. You're going to write music and you're going to be involved in music and everything in life is fodder from like creating music, you know, but also. Um, the modern recorders part of like behind the name and the concept was like to explore like what does it look like to be a recording artist you know recording artist in the modern day in the modern age you yeah. know what I mean so let's uh, let's go there let's talk about your um, let's talk about your project and major love event and um, you know you guys played you did a show last night didn't you, you did. played yeah you played last night um, and uh, and how long have you guys been? Making music uh, together? Rebecca and I have been friends, uh, very close friends, for going on almost 20 years now, something like that. Wow. Long wow, time. Wow, that's killer. Um, yeah, yeah. We met, uh, yeah, it's been 17, 18 years. Wow, crazy. Um, we've only been playing music for, I'd say, about six years now, I'd say. Mm-hmm. We've been friends that long. You know, Rebecca always was a musician and wrote songs. But she didn't really pursue music. She was a, an activist and did a lot of political and environmental uh-huh. activism for a long time. And uh, and then got to a point where she wanted to step away from that for a while and then moved to Athens where I lived in Athens for the longest time. You know, I was a musician mm-hmm. uh, ever since, you know, full time, pretty much my whole life. But uh, she moved, i say in about 2008, I think it was. So when we sort of started and then she just wrote some songs and she brought them to me and played them. And I was like, Oh, I was like, you can write music. Like, Whoa, I had no idea. Uh-huh. We've been friends for so long. Um, and so we sort of, uh, you know, took a whack at it and I was playing with another artist at the time. So it was always sort of a side project for us. Cause I had, uh, another artist I was touring with full time. And, um, and so over the years we just sort of, you know, played shows when we could around Athens and wrote songs and uh, produced tracks and um, you know we actually ended up moving to a couple different cities trying to find a place where we could land to actually focus on the project entirely mm-hmm. uh, and that ended up being in Portland Oregon and that's when it still took us a few years because uh, it's always that struggle of you know trying to keep your financial life afloat but then also trying to fully dedicate yourself to the art right so that's the yeah. battle that I imagine everyone understands and um but then ended up in the situation that we were talking about earlier where we had this period where we both had enough income and uh, were unemployed uh to where we could basically um put about six months full-time into this which we have for the you know the first half of this year yeah um and then in that time managed to finish a record and uh make another ep that we'll release sometime next year and um so yeah you know we're a band that's you know figuring it out you sure. know and that reason we're here yeah you know we haven't had any major success we're just in a way our success is you know the fact that we finished a record and we like put our heart and soul mm-hmm. into it and now we're here and trying to step up to the plate of uh you know we're talking about getting past that feeling of you know uh, we can't do this. Like we know we can do this. It's mm-hmm. really just a matter of knowing where to go and what to do. Yeah. There's so many questions right now yeah. as a musician. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it's quite a path. Like, so you guys initially crossed paths in Athens. That's where you guys initially. Uh, in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. When I first moved to Atlanta, yeah. we worked at a, a PF Chang's restaurant together. Okay. And that's okay. where we met. Okay. And just kind of ended up hitting it off as friends. Okay. And I've been friends forever. 
And then, uh, but I was in Athens for 14 years. Okay. And then Rebecca moved in and out from Athens over the years. And um, that's such an amazing music town. So that's really where we got our start okay. was Athens. And just cool. ended up, I ended up leaving and she ended up getting a job in another state. And we tried San Francisco out and made our way up to Portland. And the timing just worked out where we've sort of been in Portland to, to kind of do this. Yeah. Cool. So during that time, there was like, you, you kind of alluded to this, like there's some, there, there were some kind of like challenges in figuring out, you know, I mean, because you guys are kind of like moving from, from city to city and state to state, kind of like figuring some stuff out and then kind of like, how do you keep, get yourself in a place where you are able to really uh, focus in on music and then balance in all these other kind of like personal life and then like, you know, stabilize your financial situation and all that kind of stuff, you know, um, you guys had some of those challenges. I mean, that's a common challenge. Like a lot of people have that challenge, you know, and you guys, that's kind of been part of your story as well. Yeah. I mean, as a challenge, you know, it's our, our challenge is that we also do other things and we're good at them. Right. And they're, you know, music is kind of another thing we do. Yeah. But it's one of our favorite things to do. Yeah. And then we have the other things we love to do, and those things might make us more money. Right. So it's, you know, and uh, Rebecca was even saying that, you know, her biggest problem is that she's uh, good at everything she does. Yeah. Which is true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I do this, and I'm really good at this, and right. I do this, and I'm really good at And uh, I don't know if I'm good at everything I do, but I'm good at most things I do. Yeah. So it's a challenge. You know, we're not like, we have to play music or we're going to die kind of thing, but... But at the same time, we kind of are. Yeah. It's, you know, it's an yeah. interesting thing how, yeah. we, how we navigate life. Yeah. And it's hard to get, you know, the ink, especially with the cost of living is so high these days. Yeah. And we like to eat real healthy food. Right. So, you know, if I ate McDonald's and things like that, it'd be a lot easier because I'm spending five bucks a week. But, you know, I don't, I spend a lot more than right. that on food. But would it actually be easier? You would it actually be easier? You're exactly. thinking like totally. in the, the long game when you're playing the long game, you know? Yes. yes. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting point that you bring up because I think a lot of people, um, there's a lot of people I think that have the struggle of I'm just trying, you know, the starving art, the, 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 the typical um, starving artist story, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm working these kind of like low level menial jobs because I'm I'm trying to get my music to take off and um, and, you know, and so there's sort of that kind of like financial struggle to just sort of like you're maybe you're, you're just you're working some job that you're probably overqualified for or just like whatever. And, um, trying to keep that financial stability and trying to make music and stuff. But there's another thing that you kind of point out that, that is an interesting, um, aspect that I think there's a, I think there's probably a lot of people. And then I think there's a couple of people that I probably came across at the, uh, at the conference that where it's kind of like, it's almost like maybe not the exact opposite, but it's another side of that picture, which is, you know, I make a really good living and I'm really good at this thing. Maybe they actually have a, you know, maybe they're a doctor. Maybe they have some sort of, you know, uh, executive position somewhere. You know, maybe they're in their like mid 40s or maybe they're 50 or something. They got a family and they have something they're really good at and they've built their life there and they're financially stable, but they want to really do something with music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, it's almost kind of like where you guys were. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're good at a lot of things. You like to do a lot of things and you can create income around those things. But then there's like that whole thing of like, well, I've got this financial stability here that I've built. And I'm not sure that, you know, like how do you shift into being able to, uh, you know, if you're going to do music, it might 
disrupt that stability. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and that can no, be a, that is that is absolutely yeah. the challenge. Um, you know what the approach that I'm taking and we're taking right now, and because we've tried to be different things. You know, we're talking about like I see this YouTube band and that within their success so it's like okay cool we try to make videos and become this youtube thing and or whatever you see we see someone success and we try to like emulate it but where i'm at now is really just focusing on you know what are we just really good at mm-hmm. you know like what and like rebecca's really good at writing songs like that's yeah. her forte in music uh-huh. it's like she's a songwriter she can complete a song and my forte is like all right i can produce like you have yeah. a song i can produce a track yeah. I can play most of the instruments i can mix the whole thing down i can get it so it's like oh cool that's what we're best at how do we set ourselves up to do that so we don't because oftentimes we we i find we, we chase other people's models of success yeah instead of creating our own to a yeah. certain degree based on our own yeah uh, highest skills and talents yeah. you know and i've done a lot of things where i was doing something that wasn't what my forte was and then i end up not bringing as much value to the thing that i'm doing because it's not my forte yeah it's not my my best skill and so now i'm focused on all right building this thing so we're just going to keep doing you know becca's great at writing songs i'm great at producing them we're just going to kind of keep doing that and focus on that and be open and then obviously learning how to you know uh, promote that that's that's the big challenge is like you know promotion promotion get people mm-hmm. to see you and notice you but if we could focus on what we do well you know sort of uh manifesting opportunities like they just yeah. kind of sure opportunities just present themselves yeah. you know even the cd baby conference you know we were just coming we just signed up you know yeah. tickets weren't that expensive so we're like let's go check this out it'll be fun it'll be a thing we have a lot of friends in nashville and then we submitted our band to play it's like does your band want to play a cd you know the conference yeah. so you know we submitted and then we got picked yeah and uh you know and while it wasn't this like huge gig opportunity it was you know we met a lot of people met you yeah um we met some of the cd baby podcast people and now it's suddenly already led to a couple other opportunities yeah. you know and yeah. it's just like you know what is it just show up you know right. what is it the woody allen quote yeah, you know 90 yep. of success is just showing right. up yeah and yeah. it's so fucking true yeah like, just if you want to do it then just do it like many years ago my manager and a band i was in um he said you know dig into me about some life stuff he's like what do you want to do and i was like i want to be a producer he's like okay produce something yeah you know he's like right. just produce you want to be it then produce you know what right. i mean for me it was this thing that one day i will do somehow yeah versus like just stop right now and be a yeah. producer yeah like, yeah produce yeah. something yeah. even yeah. if you're what you're producing is total crap yeah be a producer that's perfect yeah just be it do it and, and it's like this aha moment yeah. of just like oh what am i waiting for what am i who am i waiting yeah. to ask what certificate yeah. am i waiting yeah. to have? Yep. you know yep. what i mean just just do it just show up and right. be okay with being terrible at it exactly because one yep. day you might not be exactly they're making me think of a few things there's one when i i don't remember how i think when i was an intern at a recording studio I came across this book i think it was when i was an intern and it may have been something that was just like one of these books that had been like tossed under the front desk or something at the studio but it was um this book called behind the glass i don't know if you maybe if you oh come uh, across that. yeah i have yeah. who wrote that um, i can't remember his name yes yeah. yes because I, I think that i just it was tossed under the studio the front desk at the studio and nobody claimed it so i was just like yeah just look it up Absolutely. but uh i uh i just took it you know because it seemed like nobody wanted it so i just took it and i read it and i loved it and i ended up giving it away to somebody else just kind of like passing it along but uh, there was a quote in there. I can't remember which producer it was because the, the, the premise of the book, for people that haven't heard of it, I highly recommend it. But there's, um, 
it's a bunch of producers. Did you did you pull it up? These, yeah, it's uh, behind the glass. Howard Massey. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. He's Howard a mastering Massey. engineer, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but the premise of the book is uh, that there's a bunch of. I think there's like something like you know five different producers or something that they kind of have various like sort of interviews throughout the book, you know. And there's one of them at the very beginning where it's like a round table discussion of a, with these producers and. Uh, one of the producers, it says, uh, "Be do have," and that always be do be do have. have. And okay. he ex- went on to explain it. That always resonated with me. And and uh, and he's like explaining it was like so exactly what you said. If you want to be a producer, uh, then okay, now you're a producer. Yeah. So what's the, so, like just be it, right? Just be it, yeah. You know, I mean, go then, produce something, but yeah. yes, yes. And so, like, the next step is do. So go do the thing. Oh, okay, you want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you want to be it, call yourself a, a producer. You're now a producer. Be that. Embody it. Be it. Mm. And then go do the thing, right? And then after you've done that, after you have, you know, gone through those process and done the work and spent the time, then is the time for you to have. So like, like he was just talking mm, about, like, because like in our, um, in, in, in like, you know people like you and me that can be uh, producer and studio rats and just like, you know, audio geeks. It's like, we can start to have this gear lust where it's like, oh man, I want to buy this, I want to buy that, I want to buy this and buy that. And you can amass all this gear and spend all this money and like you're not even, you don't have, you haven't even built the skill yet. You haven't oh, yeah. gone out there and done the work and practiced it. And so now you have all these, you know, it's the old adage of like, you know, you can have the best uh, compressor in the world. You can spend $30,000 on a Fairchild, but if you suck at using the Fairchild, then the music is going to suck. I mean, like the recording you make isn't going to sound good just because it's a Fairchild. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Conversely, if you've got some like, you know, if you've got like, I don't know, um, um, Chad Blake or some huge, uh, you know, great, really esteemed, very skilled um, um engineer or somebody who's put in many decades then they can just take the piece of garbage that only works half the time out of the dumpster and plug it in and make a great record with it yeah you know so that was like that really resonated with me be do have so well he said a lot of people get it backwards they try to have do and then be you know mm, and, it's, yeah. and it's be do have so that was and then the other thing you were saying was um there's a quote seth godin uh choose yourself you know just don't stop waiting around uh, waiting around for somebody to pick you, just pick yourself, just choose yourself, just go yeah. and say, okay, I'm going to do this and just now and just start doing it and build, build something around that. And then another thing Seth Godin says is, you know, give your, yourself permission to be terrible. And that's actually something when I first started this podcast, I was really scared to do, you know, and I actually, it was an early episode. I can't remember which episode it was, but it was early on. I used to do these episodes that were just solo episodes where I would kind of just rant off about a particular idea for like 15 minutes. And it was usually an idea around something that I'm ha- trying, like I'm experiencing personal breakthrough in right now. Mm-hmm. And so I would make a podcast episode in an effort to, to, to help me have that breakthrough, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this idea of give yourself permission to be terrible. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to just put out podcasts and there's a really good chance that these, you know, first 10 episodes, 20 episodes, even, you know, I'm now, I don't know, whatever episode this is like, you know, 50 some odd episodes. There's a good chance that they're all terrible, but I give myself permission 
to be terrible. Totally. Because that's because each one gets a little better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. eventually, when I get to episode one thousand or I get to episode two thousand, I've put in my ten thousand hours of podcasting. I might have a good episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, funny. There's a few podcasts I love that I I discover and then I listen to backwards. And they get worse as I listen yeah. to them because I'm yeah. slowly going back to the yeah. first episode yeah. and they get yeah. less interesting because yeah. I see how these people have progressed and how much better it's gotten, you know? Right. Um, and, you know, speaking to, you know, the whole gear lust and all these things we need, you know, the, the uh, one of the best things I learned in becoming an engineer was, uh, you know, I got my dream studio for a while. Like uh-huh. I had an investor come through and we actually built and I got all the gear I ever dreamed to a certain, within reason, yeah, you know, yeah, I didn't yeah, get right. my, you know, 72 channel, like API console or something, but I had nice gear, yeah. super nice space. And it was realizing once I got it that I didn't need it. Right. And I was like, oh shit, I don't really need, it's nice, but I don't really need it. Yeah. And then, uh, I remember when I first moved to Portland, I didn't have my studio set up at the time. Cause this is after I closed down my studio in Athens, we sold off a lot of gear and, um, I actually ran a few days at jackpot, uh, to go do a track with Rebecca. And we were in there for like three days straight. Mm-hmm. I just lived in there, had an awesome mm-hmm. assistant engineer and I had, all the amazing tools, I mean, a 5088 Ruben Eve console and all the amazing everything. And I learned something in that experience too, working on all that gear was that it, they weren't the best tools or the tools, you know, and I didn't yeah. know those uh-huh. tools, you know, it's like they were EQs and they were compressors and I know how to work in EQ and compressor, but they were all unique in and of, in and of themselves. And I didn't have time with them. And like, you know, it, I go home and I can work in the box and I have plugins that I just know right. so well. Yeah. I just can one, you know, I know what a half DB on this does and yeah. a little this and this and like that. And I can work so much faster and I can get to a mix versus, so it was also an epiphany of like, oh, you know, the, again, the best tools are the ones you know. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. And I don't need this. And so if I knew those tools, I could have done a great mix, but I was yeah. struggling so hard. I felt like I did. 10 years ago yeah, yeah, because I was struggling so hard because I was re, you know, it was just an epiphany. Like, yeah. Oh, it's not, it's not the tool. Like right. it's That's not, awesome. it's just not the best tool is the tool that you know, that is yeah. awesome. And I'm, I don't think I've ever heard anybody really say that. And that's killer. I love that. Mm. That's, that's really something to, um, yeah, now even when I work in the box, I just like clear, you know, I, everyone's got like 5,000 plugins in their plugin folder yeah. now and everything like that. And I've cleared all that away and I've only gone down to like two or three of yeah. my favorite things. Right. So I don't have the limitations or don't have all the choices. Yeah. So I can force myself into limitations yeah. because now I know when I use this EQ, I can work so much faster and I can do exactly what right. I want it to do. Yeah. And when I get tired of that, I'll add another tool. Right. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But right. constantly jumping around just right. hasn't worked for me. It's right. like, it's like brain overload. Right. You know, I love, I love limitations. Yeah. Oh my God. And yeah. We all, I think as engineers in the age, you know, the age that we're at, you know, I'm 37, you mm-hmm. said you're 35. Yeah. Um, you know, we're sort of the beginning of, uh, the pro tools generation, you know, right. the DAW generation yeah. where I didn't, I've never, I've never recorded to tape. Okay. You know what I mean? I've never worked in a fully analog space. I've right. always worked in hybrid and digital workstations. And so like I rock in those, you know, and put right. the other thing and I almost don't even know what to do. Yeah. But then we also had the beginning of like endless 
limitations. And I feel like we went through this like five, 10 year gap in the music industry where things got a little weird because we had too many choices. Sure. You know, Ableton came yeah. out and suddenly had 40,000 presets. So it's right. like, we all got stuck behind, like, I don't even know how to be creative because I don't know which synth sound yep. to choose. Yep. You spend yep. three hours and then you're suddenly not motivated anymore. Right. And now I feel like we're in an age where we've, now that we've gone through that, we're learning, I'm learning, but I'm, I see around me too, other people learning that like we can thrive on off limitations Yes, and how um, workflow to a certain degree is everything because you're trying to you're trying to stay in that flow state. Yes. You know, and I'm, I'm real big about trying to get into a flow right. state, yeah. you know. There's nothing that feels, like you and I at yeah. lunch earlier, we're like, I felt like we're in a flow state. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just like, yes. you know, it's just effortless and it's happening. When that happens on stage, like the flow state of playing a live show and it yeah. all just comes together in the yeah. studio and getting that magic take flow state or that moment in a mix where it all, you push one fader and suddenly it all falls into place and then you're just like in the zone and you like, you spend another hour and like it just gets better and yeah better. yeah like, totally I love those yeah. feelings oh you know? totally man totally and speaking of flow state i guess you're you're familiar with steven kotler yes and and some of that work and stuff that's pretty cool um i'm trying to i'm digging into that more you know i i still have yet to read the rise of superman but i uh, have that own that book read a little bit of it i don't know if you've read any of his stuff i have that book i've skimmed that yeah. book so many yeah. times i feel like i've listened to so many podcasts on the subject yeah, that when yeah. i read the book right. it becomes redundant sure yeah, and i yeah. don't i'm realizing i don't necessarily need to read all those books yeah. because i listen to so many yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah, on the yeah. subject yeah he, he recently um he uh steven kotler had a um a um, thing he did on creative live that i watched and i'm i think i'm gonna go back and buy it um but it was about it was all that it was i think the name of the it was like a I think it was just one full day. It was like one day, but it was like an entire full day. So, um, quite a bit of material. And, um, it's something about like, how did you reach your creative flow or how, something about creative flow? And he, and he's so awesome about just like all the scientific, you know, components that go down into it that create certain neurochemicals that, you know, then yeah. make this happen. And then boom, you're like, you're in this creative flow and suddenly like, which can be applied to so many different things, you know, it can be applied to like innovating in technology or it can be applied to writing scientific journals or it can be applied to, you know, testing new scientific principles or it can be applied to songwriting. It can apply to song production and engineering, you know, and all those things. And it's really, really interesting. So that's, that's something I want to dig into more. Yeah, you know? They're finding ways to measure flow state now and yeah. like brain activity and stuff. Yeah. You know, I also think of it as kind of when you get, really into like in touch with your intuition like we were speaking about earlier and i think intuition in the studio especially from a producer standpoint is like crucial you know i, I worked with a guy last week in the studio and he was more of like a freestyle guy he sort mm -hmm. of freestyle lyrics as in hip-hop and it was to me the challenge was i was like I, I loved his freestyling i was like let's just get in the studio and we're just gonna make a track and we only mm -hmm. had a few amount of hours and i loved like just getting in a flow and not really try not to question the choices I was making, especially because the clock's ticking. So we like set that deadline yeah. and like, you're just, and then I ended up in this state of like jumping from instrument to instrument and just going with ideas. And the second I start questioning it, I am almost done with that idea. I'll just record it and move on to the next yeah. thing instead of, instead of spending the time questioning yeah. it and learning how to just get more into that flow because these days we need to work quick. Yeah. You know, it's something that's just necessary. And, um, and then, but that, that, that feeling of intuition, you know, like getting in touch with just, you know, it's like 
like where does the music even come from where does the ideas Rick and i talk about that like it's like it's like we're like we're channeling this stuff yeah it's like coming yeah. through yeah. us yeah because yeah. i don't know where the where the hell it's coming from right yeah you know? yeah yeah totally yeah. yeah i mean that's i have that sense too i remember when i was a teenager um, my, one of the still like a super influential musician uh, and band for me was the Smashing Pumpkins, particularly oh, me too. you know Definitely. Billy Corgan really has been huge Smashing Pumpkins yeah, fan. Yeah. yeah, he's been a big. Um, I don't know. He's just been a big, you know, uh, uh, kind of just uh, influence for me, you know, um, and motivation for me. But I, I think I remember. I think it was him that was somebody like in an interview. This is had to been like back in like mid nineties or something, some interview and he was talking about like, I don't feel like, and forgive me if I'm, I may be attributing it falsely to Billy Corgan. It may have been somebody else, but in any case, the person said, um, I don't feel like I write these songs. I feel like I'm just kind of discovering them. Hmm, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they're just, the songs are already out there yeah, floating. And I'm just a person who's kind of like this, like, uh, uh, seeker or whatever that just kind of like discovers a song you know yeah, yeah. and i and the more that i write because i'm really really um making a, a trying to make an effort to now um shift more towards like a songwriter producer yeah. as opposed to like an engineer producer so i'm just spending a lot more time writing and just making time for that a lot more than i ever have the more that I do that, the more that I'm like, man, that really does feel that there's a lot of truth to that. It feels like that. I'm just like discovering these things. I, I wrote this song on like Thursday or something. And uh, after I was done, I was kind of like making lunch in the kitchen. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I, I just kind of, it is a discovery process, you know? Yeah. It's just interesting. It's hard to articulate. But once you kind of live that and you experience it, it's just like, yeah, that's like, that kind of is what it is. You yeah, know? yeah. That's yeah. the next stage I plan to go through for myself is writing more because I've always been help, I've always helped other artists. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been the producer working with someone who's a writer because once someone has a song, I can like run with it. You know yeah. what I mean? My brain is exploding right. with ideas, but like coming up with the original thought is always the biggest challenge for me. But with that said, as we were talking about earlier, sort of like going towards that, like actually putting myself in a space to like to create more original thought right. and like see what's there. Cause I imagine it would just make me a better producer. Sure. You know, and that's the whole goal here is yeah. just to kind of keep getting right. better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so you mentioned, um, or a minute ago when you were talking about, um, you know, kind of like what your strengths were and Rebecca's strengths, and she's a really good songwriter and you're, you, you have more of the, the production skills and stuff like that. And there was a sense of like, I mean, you did you have to go through sort of a process of like, like how did you figure out what you were like really good at and really thrived? Like, how did you kind of kind of like land on that relationship? Did you did, like you know? I mean, like, did you have to go through a process of kind of um, finding yourself in like what am I really good at and and you know trying things that like didn't really work out for you and then narrowing down on things you were good at or did you always kind of feel like it? Was, I feel like we more just kind of fell into it okay. you know and even like when i um with almost everyone i've ever worked with like i knew early on that i wanted to be a producer whatever that means um i didn't even really know what it meant like i was more just looking at like big music producers and i thought it uh-huh. sounded cool but it's more about just you know finding where i thrive and i didn't try i'm more like looking back and noticing like oh that's just what i do and you know rebecca same thing i think she's tried to be a couple different things and then realize like 
let me give an example. Like we were trying to do this whole online, like YouTube, we were going to start making like weekly or daily videos. We had all these ideas Mm -hmm. and it was a really cool idea because there's a lot of bands that do that. And some people thrive at that, you know? Um, so we, you know, we saw the success people were having. I'm like, oh, we could do that, whatever. And then in doing it, it was always a struggle. Mm-hmm. We just didn't fall into it. It just didn't fall easy for mm-hmm. us. But so we would like try it for a little while and it would kind of get frustrating and we were having a problem because it was so in the moment and then we would stop and then we would go back and Rebecca's like, well, I got this song and then she'd have the song and then I immediately start, you know, thinking of ideas to put to it and then we're falling into what we naturally do. Yeah. So it's like, and then one day we were like, oh, why are we trying to do this other thing when we're so much more productive doing this thing? But this is, you know, it's like who, instead of trying to be someone else, like who are we? Like what, you know, that's just the best way I can think to put it. And I think yeah. there's a Hunter S. Thompson quote that I, I, I like. Uh, I, it's that's a letter he wrote. Maybe you've read this. It's like a letter he wrote to his friend where his friend asked him, you know, like what, what should he do with his life? It yeah. was some like uh-huh. big question. Yeah, yeah. And he summed it down to sort of um, the gist of it. What I get is, you know, combine your greatest, what are you best at? And then combine that with your desires and like that will be success. You know what I mean? Like yeah. take what you're best at and put it towards your desires um, instead of, being something you're not or not doing what you're best at. Yeah. Um, I wish I could, you know, I'm trying to think of the words yeah, to dig into yeah, that. Yeah. More, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that. I remember. Uh, yeah. I forgot about that. I, I, I've known about that letter and I don't remember exactly how he put it either, but yeah, I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. So do you have any, like, is there, is there any kind of insight or process that you've, you've, um, maybe thought about or experienced about if people, you know, because, I mean, you know, at lunch, you and I were kind of talking about, and I was telling you the story about how, you know, there was this kind of like dark jungle that I went through where I was um, kind of like lost and lost my passion. You know, I, it was like I knew what I wanted to do early on in music, and I wanted to be involved in that at an early age, and I devoted myself to that, and I worked really hard. And then later, by the time I, right around the time I turned 30, or probably like 28 or something, I ended up going through this kind of like dark jungle where I like lost all my passion. It was almost in reverse where a lot of people can't figure out what they want to do. And then when they get a little bit older and they start to hit 30, they're like, okay, I think I finally figured it out or something. And that kind of like went backwards and had to go to this dark jungle. And then now recently kind of coming back through that of, you know, um, of, of really being like, yes, music is my thing. Like and refining that passion. But is there any insight in life where you like people who are kind of like, I'm not really sure. I haven't found my thing. I haven't found my why. I haven't found sort of like my passion or I haven't like landed on, you know, what I'm good at. I don't want to do music or, you know, something creative like that, but, uh, I don't really know what I'm good at. Do you have any insights towards like, you know, anything that you've experienced that, that, that forms kind of a framework for like knowing being your compass and like, no, you know, yeah, um, that's that's a good question. That's a really good question. If like knowing what you get, you know, I think the best thing I could think to do, and is something where I think we initially started bonding on when we first started talking, was like dig into personal work. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I feel like that's probably the best thing you mm-hmm. could do. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel Rebecca and I over the last couple of years. Um, sort of, uh, really only the last, I'd say maybe two years, like sort of began our own spiritual journey, if you will, but in our own yeah. ways, you yeah. know, separately in different things, but we kind of both began that in, yeah. in, in, in that sense. And through doing that inner work, you'd start to get clear, like 
we're all going through these motions and we're told, you know, like you got to figure this out. You're supposed to, we're told these things we're supposed to know, but we're not taught the skills to learn Mm -hmm. how to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I feel like if we could, you know, it's about digging into personal work and digging into learning more about who you are and not who maybe you think you are or the story you have about who you are. You know what I mean? Sort of separating yourself from the story of who you are. Like, oh, I'm not good at that. And maybe you, maybe you aren't, maybe you are, but is that just a story you're telling yourself or is that an insecurity because you're afraid to admit you're good at that? Yeah. You know, and that's going to be on an individual basis for each different person. Yeah. But sort of getting out of your head, getting out of your stories, getting into your body. Yeah. And, you know, this is where we could, you know, I feel like we, we could probably do a whole other podcast yeah, we on this. Yeah, you know totally, what I mean? Man. This yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we probably should eventually one yeah, day because I imagine we could totally go down this rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard, you know, it, t- it takes looking at yourself. That's where it's self-awareness, right? You know, yeah. first and foremost, yeah. you know, having that clarity moment yeah. of like, oh, you're now looking at yourself and, so once you start looking at yourself, looking at the parts of yourself you don't like, looking at the parts of yourself you like, et cetera, et cetera. And then through that process, clarity will come, but you have to begin that process. Yeah. If you're not doing any work, like any personal work, if you have no practice of all, whether that's a yoga practice or that's a meditation practice or whatever your practice is, mm-hmm. just some sort of practice, you're probably not going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, like I, yeah. uh, something I've come to is like, you know, without practice, we kind of go insane. Sure. And we all have to figure out, you know, whether it's jujitsu yeah. or whatever, we all yeah. have to have something yeah. that's our practice that dig, that pushes us to a place of a deeper self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And then in that place, when we're looking at ourselves, we have clarity and then we have to trust that those answers will just appear. You know, it's nothing we're just going to figure. It's not like you figure it out. It's sure. Not like, right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not like if I sit back and think on this for a while, I'm going to have an answer. If yeah. I think hard enough. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's like allowing it to be like presented to you, if yeah. you will, and yeah. then seeing it and recognizing it. But creating that space for it to, to, yes. to you know what I mean? Because that to me, you know, all those kind of like meditative practices, whether it be straight up just like bona fide meditation or whether it be a yoga practice or something like that, you know, you are kind of, in way I like to think about it is that you are like creating the space for those kind of epiphanies to be able to, to then come in. Because if you're, if you're wound up and you're not ever creating that space, then it's just, everything's just so wound up and intertwined. Like, you know, there's, there's no room for an epiphany to come in. It's, it's like, you know, it's like, uh, like you have, um, a, a jar filled with, it's like a va- a jar that's like and there's no air in the jar. It's just like a vacuum. And the second that you like, you know, you you there's no space for air to come in there. You know, it's yeah. like blocked out or something. Yeah. And then you you open that up and the air rushes in and suddenly you know it's like allowing for that space to like yeah. you know and that practice kind of like allows for that space for an epiphany to even have the ability to come and yeah. You know the best thing I can think of I actually can think of an example of something someone should do is if you're unsure about what you're good at or what you want, or you're just unsure, you're just in that in a confusing place in your life, is your life comfortable? Because if your life's comfortable and you're sitting around, you're watching TV and you're sitting and you're just in this comfortable space, but you're all confused, 
get out of your comfortable space. Yeah. Like go be in the most uncomfortable space you could possibly, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for me, I had this, uh, uh, one, one of many breakthroughs I've had over the last couple of years was like, I remember actually being in that moment and like, I'm like sitting in bed and I'm like having sort of a low point and I'm thinking about my life and I think about what I'm doing with it. And I had this, this moment where I realized I was addicted to comfort. Okay. You know, it's just, yeah. a, it was a simple, a, you know, a breakthrough epiphany, whatever you want to call it in the moment. But I was like, holy shit, I am so addicted to comfort. And like, we all are to a certain yeah. degree, but I was just recognizing about myself in that yeah. moment. And I was like, what is the most uncomfortable thing I could possibly do right now? Mm-hmm. And for me in that moment, it was the middle of the winter in Oregon. I'm like, would be an ice cold shower. Cause I like, I don't do well with cold water. Yeah. And and in that moment, like, this is just one thing I did. It's just like a practice. I made a promise to myself that I would only take ice cold showers from then on. Okay. And, and I have. That's killing And it's been a little over a year now. Awesome. And now I don't, at first, I don't get cold very often. Yeah. You know what I mean? My blood yeah. circulation's better. My skin's better. I feel so energized when I have the shower. You know, I still always start my shower with a little warm, um, but I always finish yeah. ice cold. It's funny, yeah. being here in Nashville, coming from Oregon, like the water here doesn't even get that cold. Yeah. Which was kind of crazy. Yeah. And it just, it's how my perspective has shifted. But like, step into the uncomfortable Cause that's the only place that you're going to grow and get answers. Uh-huh. And then through that. And then once the uncomfortable becomes comfortable, you got, you got to push even further. All right. You know, cause yeah. eventually the uncomfortable, like the cold water used to be the most uncomfortable thing yeah. in the world. Yeah. It would shock me at almost, yeah. I'd have to be jumping up and down, yeah. like screaming almost just yeah. to get through it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. now I like calmly just breathe and just accept it. And it's just the greatest feeling. Yeah. And it's so different than how things used to be. And, and and just in that, I've I've learned more about myself and I've changed my physical chemistry. And as I as I constantly step into the uncomfortable, I get more and more clarity about like what my next step yeah. is, what my next yeah, step is. That's awesome. I hope yeah, that I makes sense. That. Yeah. Hope that makes awesome. sense to people listening. <laughs> I think it does. Makes sense to me. That's awesome, dude. That's killer. Uh-huh. Well, um, we're we're a little over an hour. So I think um that's probably I mean that that's that's a, a good place to wrap it. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? up there, but I imagine we could we yeah. could easily do this for hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could, man. And um, and now I'm glad that we have crossed paths because and we've had some incredible conversations and uh, definitely and not unlike the one that we just had here. And um, I know there's many more. You know, yeah. that this is this is great. So Absolutely. I, I, I can tell it's like this is the beginning of a great friendship, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. I look forward to doing more of these we're definitely gonna keep having these conversations yeah we should get in the studio together yeah we absolutely should man there's definitely stuff that we can do together for sure man but uh yeah dude why don't we um why don't we end the show with because you know with your band and 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 uh with your music and because kind of you know we everything like i said uh these discussions everything's on the table because kind of everything, you know, when you're creating music and what music is all about, you know, it's an expression of like the human condition. And so that is the embodiment. There's just so much like that you can draw from just like an infinite, you know, amount of concepts and, yeah. and, and, and life. So we've discussed everything, but to bring it back and just kind of uh, shine a light on the, the whole kind of like nucleus of what this podcast is all about. You know, it's yeah, about music, music and sharing art and, and all that kind of stuff. It'd be great to, um, you know, if you want to play some, some yeah, stuff. Yeah. I got a song 
I'll play the song that uh, was our our single that we released uh, for the record. It's called Sandy Sound. Uh, it's a song that Rebecca wrote um, and I produced. And, uh, you know, we recorded this whole thing in a dining room and a basement and a bedroom. You know, there was no cool. professional studios going on yeah. here, all from home. Um, it was mixed in the box. Um, we live in an age where really there's like no reason why you can't make great art from home yeah you know what i mean you don't yeah. like that's that's the beauty you know the modern recordist yes. you know the modern recordist is in his bedroom yes you know and that's uh and it's realizing that if you put the time and you put in the work in like you can make uh stuff so that that was really inspiring and that's uh it was really satisfying and uh amazing to finally finish this record and you know as they say it's never done you just got to finish right it. yeah totally <laughs> that's awesome man um Cool. Well, where can um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cue that up and play it? Uh, but where can people? Yeah, find you can out check us out uh, majorloveevent.com. Uh, we have our website. Of course, you can find us. Uh, we're distributed through CD Baby, so you can pretty much find the music everywhere. Uh, thank you, CD Baby, Spotify, Title, uh, all the like, and uh, check us out on the website. You know, next year is going to be a big year for us. We got a lot planned, uh, some touring, another record to drop. And, and we'll see, you know, honestly, I have my mind is spinning with ideas from this conference. So I'm going to go home and sort of sit on that and figure out like, what are the new unique strategies that we can take as music entrepreneurs? Killer, man. Awesome. Awesome. Thank right you, on. sir. Right on. Until next time. <laughs> so that's it for another episode of The Modern Recordist. We've come off a long recess and we're in full swing, working hard to bring you a whole bunch of new episodes through the end of this year with insightful conversations from inspiring guests talking all about making music and art and how to thrive in your creative lifestyle. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Early October saw us putting out new episodes for the first time in over a year, and the response has been awesome. I cannot express how grateful I am personally for your dedicated listenership and your support of this podcast. I truly am inspired by the incredible response the show has gotten. It's been extremely fulfilling to have so many people acknowledge these last few episodes in such a positive way. Thanks for all the comments and emails from new listeners and veteran listeners letting me know that you're glad the modern recordist is back. If I've not heard from you, please reach out. I'd love to know more about you, how you found out about the modern recordist, and what you've gotten out of listening to the podcast. And this is the perfect way to tell you about our all-new website dedicated to The Modern Recordist. This is the place on the internet that is going to serve as the home base for the podcast from here on out. Check it out at modernrecordist.com. Here you can check out all the episodes we put out to date. You can hit the contact page and send us a message. And if you're a brand new listener, you can check out the Start Here page we've set up for you to get familiar with the show. But most importantly, make sure you enter your email address using any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way, we will make sure you never miss an episode and you're in the loop on all the latest and greatest that has to do with the modern recordist. And now, I'm going to leave you with the song Sandy Sound by Major Love Event. That's it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life of an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world.
Then at the calendar close, what do you know? Do you know? Do you know? There at the back of the house, I saw your feet, saw your face, saw your mouth. I'm 